This is Cole Reyes, and you're listening to UND Football 360. Hawks offense is grounded in Vermilion. This week, they're back home at the Alara Center taking on Illinois State. It's Hawks versus Redbirds with a shot at the playoffs on the line, and this is UND Football 360. This is UND Football 360, Shannon Schweiger with former Fighting Sioux All-American Kelly Howe and 2001 National Champ Matt Nelson. We're going to go to Matt Nelson first. I said it in the open, the offense was grounded last week. Were you shocked by the offensive output by the Hawks last week in Vermilion? I was a little shocked. I was I was hoping for more. You know, we, we, we talk about things that we want to see. I was hoping that we would go down to South Dakota and... Guns a-blazing, but it just did not happen. Defense side of the ball, uh, great effort by our defense. I mean, they kept us in it the whole game. Uh, a few breakdowns, few mental errors on defense, but we were able to recover and, and, and hold them out of the end zone for most of the game. Uh, we just needed more out of our offense. We're going to turn to the All-American. Uh, you tweeted it, opportunity squandered. Now we got to turn the page. We'll do yep. that later in the show. But your thoughts on the performance last week in Vermilion, it started out where I thought we were going to get the three phase, three phase effort out of them. But yeah, like Matt said, never, never materialized. And uh, yeah, they just got to. I mean, we'll get into it here, but they got to, they got to regroup now and uh, all the marbles this weekend. We are going to take a look at that 14 to 10 loss to the Coyotes. How that positions the Hawks moving forward. Um, we will look at that in our Kelly Howe Agency NODAC Mutual Insurance Rewind, which is up next. We've got Sam Herter in our Development Homes 360 guest. Boy, there's a lot of things happening here in the FCS playoff uh, future. There's so much going on. It's a great week to have Sam on. Later in the show, we're going to have our Thunder Lake Lodge 360 game preview. It's UND versus Illinois State, a 1 p.m. kickoff at the Alaris Center. Before we do that, we're going to thank the people that make this possible. Rumors, Sports Bar, Grill, and Casino, Development Homes Incorporated, Thunder Lake Lodge of Reamer, Minnesota, Kelly Howe Agency, Nodak Mutual Insurance, Interstate Industrial, and the Toasted Frog. Right back to Kelly, 14-10, to 10, Kelly, right out of the gate. Red Wilson hits the opening kickoff return, and it was like, is it deja vu all over again? Yeah, that's what I was thinking, and they mm -hmm. they devastated. I mean, it devastated South Dakota, I think, a little yep. bit. You know, like, whoa, okay, <laughs> you know, geez, now we got to kind of mentally regroup. I mean, you go into the half up ten nothing, and I think that shows, you know, that that opening kickoff kind of kind of shocked them. Yeah, it deflated them, bit. and you know, if we could have just gotten a little bit more and gone up two scores, it was fourteen zero, or maybe even a little bit more, seventeen. Zero into the halftime, I think we would have had it right. been looking really a lot better than what we what we had. <clears throat> yeah, it's, I got a bunch of notes written down, but yeah, I mean the defense was a call it a bend but don't break. I mean they uh, like we might as well jump right into Wyatt Pedigo's play because that was the oh epitome God. of bending but it, not breaking. Hundred percent. <laughs> and and if if there were ever a play to win a football game, you know it's just. It's unfortunate that we didn't win that game because of Wyatt Pedigo's play. I mean, right. that that's a that's going to be a career highlight yep. uh, for him for sure, and a season highlight for a play in the highlight reels. Well, it doesn't get 
much better than that. I mean, just the effort of chasing him down. I mean, Carter Bell was weaving, cutting back and forth, you know, and UND was trying to get him down, but Pedigo stayed with it. And to have the – what I like is 90% of the time, more than that, you see the defender just tackle the guy when he mm-hmm. catches up to him. i got to get to him and I'm going to tackle him. Well, he's already got 60 yards or whatever it was. What's the point of tackling him? You might as well go for the ball, okay, and give him the touch. And it's going to be first and goal at the one if you tackle him. You might as well go for the ball, right? See, that, that told me he has a – Football acumen, very smart player, very intelligent, realizes the scenario. He's confident in himself out there to where I'm chasing him down, I'm ripping this thing out because there's no point in tackling him, and he completely rips. I mean, the rip was perfect. It, it was perfect. <laughs> it's like you work on in practice. Did you have you know? any deja vu watching that, Kelly? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Do you have any regrets not stripping the ball out before you tackled that guy? Yeah, now more of a puncher. You know, <laughs> a punch, punch, you can punch a rip. You know, and I did the punch, but uh, but here's where his play, I mean, is better than the one I had. He rips it out at the one. Okay, mine was around the five or ten, somewhere in there, but he rips it out at the one. Okay, to close enough to where you could go to review and make sure it wasn't a touchdown. Then what does he do? He jumps up and goes and falls on it in the end zone. I mean, he had the wherewithal to know that the ball's right in front of him. Exactly. And fall on it. So now it's a touchback for UND. He did it all himself. I mean, holy. Amazing play. He now has four fumble recoveries on the year, which shows ball awareness. That leads uh, the nation. And one thing, if you're wondering, you know, how impactful that was if you were watching social media on the Twitter world, what was being said was show this to your high school football players right. about never giving up, <laughs> never quitting. And that, you know, that is going to be uh, a highlight reel. It's uh, still outstanding despite the loss. It is still an outstanding yep. single effort uh, by Wyatt Pedigo. He's been playing well all year. And, you know, I was, I was a little worried about, Guys looking tired, like down at Murray, they kind of looked a little bit tired because they're getting beat up, and it's just the way it is at this time of the year. But he hasn't slowed down at all. I mean, Pedigo's still going 100%, and I'm sure he he has to be beat up. We only play three inside linebackers, mm-hmm. and he's one of them. And he, I'm sure he, if I had to guess, I would say he plays 80 to 90% of the snaps in a game. Okay, sure. all year, and he hasn't missed a game. <laughs> and So for him to be chasing guys down like that, is just amazing testament to the player he is. So, guys, staying on the defensive side of the ball, were you at all surprised that the Coyotes abandoned the run in the second half and went to the air? Well, in hindsight, no, um, because they couldn't get anything going. I was surprised. I mean, our run defense in the interior was yeah. very good all day. I think they had yeah. 84 yards rushing. Did a pretty good job at tight with Tice all yep. game. I mean, we were he able had to, to stop slowing down. Yeah, yeah. He didn't really get the breakout runs that he usually does. So that we did a good job at, you know, up front. We are getting penetration. Um, did a fantastic job in the first half. So, yeah, a little bit surprised, but you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Some critical points in the second half, the uh, roughing the passer call on third yeah. down, which, you know, again, questionable. How does a 295-pound man running full speed stop? that fast so right. well, again we three of them around him there too. were three of them around yeah. him but it, but again it wasn't i i didn't feel it was egregious and and some would say well just don't put a hand on him well you know in the heat of the moment so that was unfortunate and then the interception drop which 
Um, how many yards were ahead of Caden Coppinen? Yeah. Um, you know, in my – it's hard Oof. to see on TV, but I, I felt he's back to the 30-yard line. Some – Minimal. I, yeah. I talked to people who were at the game, said there was nothing in front of them. They said it might have been a pick six. So those, again, a couple of missed opportunities on the right. defensive side. But overall, defensively, pretty good performance. You hold the number six team to 14 points. you, you got to score points. Yeah, it was – it, it was a solid all-around effort, 14 points. Yes, great, but pass defense wasn't nearly what it needed to be. And uh, C.J. Siegel getting hurt, that Didn't obviously, help. yeah, uh, him not being in the game. And he had little concussion ding, but they held him out. I think he was fine from everything I heard. He was fine um, from my sources, and they just wouldn't let him in because – 2023. Yeah. If you think a guy got anything, 20 years you take ago, his he helmet. would have been fine. Get back in there. Right. Yeah, and he would have been fine too because it wasn't much. But so that's now it's getting to the point where, you know, if I'm, you know, I don't think he could have hid that one because it was something did happen, but you hide it. I mean, when I was playing, I hid everything. I hid everything because I don't want to be in the training room on Sunday morning. That was my reason because <laughs> I'm going to be a goal. I'm going out Saturday night. And I'm not getting up at 8 in the morning to go in the training room. <laughs> so I'm hiding everything, knees, ankles, everything that hurts, right? Well, this day and age, it's getting to the point where these guys, if they're going to – if you're going to say, hey, geez, ah, I kind of got hit hard there in the head or something, they're going to pull your helmet. It's right. like, well, for the rest of the game? I mean, there's no there's no gray area, there, is there? No, there I isn't. Mean, I don't think there is anymore. And so that's where it's – and even like – even, you know, shoulders, knees – if they think they see something now, you might be done for the day if you tell them. You know, if you think you just hurt, kind of, you can't tell them. I mean, it's so that hurt you, Indy, because he wanted to go back in. They wouldn't let him in. Jeez. So, like, was, you know, obviously there's a concussion protocol. Yeah. Um, did CJ go through concussion protocol? Did he pass? Did he? Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, I don't know any of that. I just know that he was standing right there. You could see him on the sideline yeah. right there. Ready. I mean, if he doesn't think he's ready to go, he's just kind of lingering in the back or hanging around, you know, looking. But it, he looked antsy, like, I want to get back in there type of thing. And, oh, boy. Yeah, so that hurt. And the pass defense, like I said, it just wasn't good enough. I think it's 330 yards passing. or whatever. That's just – South Dakota is not a good outfit on offense. They're just – they're pedestrian. They play to their defense. Okay, which is fine. They have a good defense. So what they try to get the run game going, they try to hit you with quick stuff, make you miss tackles. And if not, we're going to punt, right? Well, 300 yards passing to them? Jeez. I mean, it's like kind of don't want to give that up and to that team. You know? How much was that just to the tight end alone? Yeah. He was I breaking mean, tackles. Galbraith's good. Yeah. yeah. He, he was their main guy all, all game long. Well, let's turn our attention uh, to the offense. Um, field goal. Uh, basically what the offense mustered after the special teams. Um, touchdown, another field goal attempt, which could have changed the dynamics at that time. So that would have changed how the Hawks were um, structuring their fourth quarter. But, Kelly, we're going to go to you first. Your thoughts on the offensive performance Saturday? Well, they obviously didn't get get it going the way we thought it would. Um, disappointing overall. I thought the run game was there. Um, consistently, not big chunks, but three to five yard chunks, you know, moving, moving the line. Okay. And South Dakota is good. So we were moving the line. We were getting some holes. I thought they should have stuck with it a little more considering how tight the game is. Okay. We weren't down. We were up 10, seven. We were up 10, nothing. I think they should have probably just kept stuck with it more, kept safe, 
kept playing safe, but instead of throwing safe, just run safe. You know what I mean? Because Zebarth was back. Yeah. He was running hard again. It, it looked so. like we were we, we had it schemed up pretty well where we, we were spreading them out, right? Yep. And because we knew that we weren't going to be able to just pound the rock up the middle all game long. So we would spread it out, you know, out stuff out to the side, outside zone, and then we'd go up the middle with Gavin, and he'd get three, five, six, seven yards a carry. Yep. It was working, and we were moving the chains, yep. and then we, we would just self-destruct when we got into close to the red zone. Yeah, passing game. And so then we go to the passing game. It just wasn't there. It was how many times did Tommy drop back, look, and not have anything? And then tick, 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 tick. Now he's turning left. Now he's turning right. He His first read just wasn't there. They were covering everything up. They were dropping seven because they thought their four could get home. And their four, they got some pressure. But our old line played all right. But the guys just weren't open. So we were trying to run a – more, I would call it a more conventional passing attack. We were trying to move downfield a little bit, five to fifteen yard range. We weren't throwing one yard bubble screens all game, you know. But it just wasn't there. So then Tommy has to scramble, and and then these defenders, they're handsy. Okay, they're tough, they're physical, handsy. I mean, we we saw that in the Big Sky over the years and stuff. And our guys were having trouble getting open. And usually, I we've talked about in the past, our 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 receivers are very good scramble routes, very good football knowledge you know they know how to get open they weren't getting open and it was a struggle all day to move the ball through the air yeah it was physical uh in on in pass coverage um in the post game uh press conference Bubba alluded to that and said we weren't happy with you know some of the things that were going on in that um it was consistent it was a handsy physical pass coverage day including when the Hawks were on defense I felt as well well and it was a type of game where one big play wins it, you know, and they, they hit a, they hit a couple and all of a sudden they're up 14, 10, right? The post to Bo Belquist down in the end zone was the one we had to hit went off. I don't know. Did it hit his fingertips or it went right over him, but Tommy just threw it a little further. I mean, good throw, but he just threw it a little bit high, but Bo was running a little play action and he, he, he was probably triple. There was three guys, but he was behind all three. So Tommy had a chance. I mean, it, the throw had to be perfect, and it was just a little high. That's where you got to hit. You know, that's why I brought it up because there was only so many chances in this game, and that was one of them that they needed to hit, and they didn't hit it. And then I think after right after that we missed the field goal because that was, that was around the 30, somewhere around there. So it would have been a nice, nice shot, deep shot. And the field goal, though, let's talk. Okay, first one he hit good, C.J. Elricks. I want to give credit here. I want to because we we've been tough on kickers. I've been tough on them. That second one, he nutted that thing. That was through the top of the uprights from forty-seven. He missed it by what three feet? It, not much. Yeah, I um, mean, in fact, couple feet to you know, the it's right. Always, it's always no. hard, especially in indoor stadiums, to know where it is. I, I always, even when I'm in person at the Alaris, I have to watch the officials. Yeah. Um, I thought it was good. I thought, you know, yeah. that he'd hit it. He hit it very, very well. It was, what, 46 yeah, yarder, I think. High through the uprights, too. Yeah, the it, other it, thing we have to remember, there was, it, if I remember right, there was a sack on third down, so we lost yardage yep. um, going into that, and it was, you know, kind of just a jailbreak um, situation, jailbreak sack. But, yes, C.J. Elricks, um, we have probably found uh, right. the kicker, and um, – that was solid special teams once again. Solid, scored, uh, coverage, 
um, was good. It's, uh, you know, the power outage on offense um, this right. week, and it, it seems like that inconsistency of is, is defense going to be playing well? A defense played well enough, despite giving up all the passing yards, played well enough to win the ballgame. Well, when, when we play three phase, we win 49-24 to 24 over NDSU. Okay, that's that's how it looks when we play three right, phase, right? Because this is a team that their talent level. Let's be honest, it's an eight and three talent level. You know, it's not a t- eleven and zero talent level. They're not going to do that, okay? So when they all feed off each other, and Gavin Zeebarth is churning on the inside, and the crowd's starting to roar, and all of a sudden the defense is a little juiced up, right? They get out there and they're fired up. Well, no, all of a sudden, especially the kickoff team's a little juiced up. They fly down, tackle the guy inside the 15, right? UND has to feed off each other, right. is my point. And, and we started off with exactly what we wanted, and, and we've heard it before. We know that this team responds to momentum. Well, we had everything lined up for a great momentum right. uh, uh, in the start of the game, and we just didn't, it just, we didn't respond to momentum this game, and... I'm trying to find reasons why we didn't. Well, fellas, we're going to flip the script a little bit because we got a lot of content uh, remaining in this show. We got to look ahead uh, to what's happening in the playoff picture. We're going to do that coming up next in our Development Homes 360 guest, Sam Herter of Hero Sports. Before we do that, final thoughts, Kelly Howe, on last week's performance and how that sets us up going into the final regular season game of the season. Well, it should give you confidence on the road. At the very least, you know, I mean, I know you're at home this weekend, but UND struggles have been on the road, but they played the number six team in the country to where they were leading what the vast majority of the game, let's say they were leading it. So they should have the confidence to know, hey, we're right there, but we're not good enough to just have one phase not ready to go. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a slight confidence booster, slight wake up call. That, hey, we're so close, we didn't make two more plays to win it. I mean, I went to the the Shanley-Minot game. Shanley was up 28-7 in the third quarter and lost. Minot all of a sudden came alive, started making plays. Well, it turned out to be a, a game of plays. Who made the most plays? When it, when it was all said and done, you can say, well, Minot made probably two to three more plays in a game where there was 30 big plays. I mean, it was a crazy game, right? They made more big plays. All it took was UND converting, you know, a second and 24 on defense, second and 25 on defense, third and 25 on defense, not allowing a first down. There's a play, right? There there it is. Uh, Bo Elk was coming up with that one in the end zone that was thrown a little bit higher. Caden competent interception. Oh, that might have been a pick six, and I tweeted right away. He, yeah, I mean, hit him in the chest. I don't know. You know, there's not much we can do about it, but, Yeah. There's three right there. So you got to say, okay, frustrating as it is, all we had to do was convert on a couple of those. We walk out of there with a win over the number six team in the country, and we're going home to play for a seed. That's how close it is. They just got to look at each other and say, hey, this weekend, let's make sure we do it. So, Matt Nelson, you're Danny Freund. A little power outage on your offense last week, but what are you taking into this week as you battle for that playoff spot? Well, if, if I'm Danny, I, I'm telling our guys that, hey, we, 
just like Kelly said, we are so close. We are one or two plays away. We need to be able to finish and believe in ourselves and believe in your teammates. And when defense is out there and making plays, we got to – we got to step up and go back out there and prove that we can make plays on offense. That's that's what I'm saying to, to the team. This week's Development Homes 360 guest is Sam Herter from Hero Sports. He's their senior FCS analyst. Sam, always good to have you on. We haven't had you on all year this year, but what a great week to bring you on with everything on the line in the FCS playoffs. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, and this is the busiest week of the year, uh, no doubt, with uh, at-large positioning, seed positioning, auto bid, you know, a lot of auto bids still to be decided into the FCS playoffs. So a lot to talk about, and I appreciate you guys having me. Sam, before we jump into the fray here, um, is this one of the crazier years that you can remember as far as, I would say, the the bubble goes? It kind of seems that way, honestly. Uh, you know, usually – you know, when we get to week 10, um, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, usually, you know, things are looking really crazy where there's, you know, a lot of different teams out there, whether it be for uh, positioning for seeds, whether it be for, uh, you know, the playoff bubble. Uh, but usually in past years, we get some results in the last couple of weeks that kind of clears things up. And that hasn't happened so far this year. Uh, the bubble's still looking like it's, you know, six, seven teams battling for that, those last couple of spots, whereas in years past, maybe there's only, you know, maybe two, three, four teams battling for that last spot. Um, there's still several, you know, possibly four teams battling for that number eight seed. And so it does seem like this year is just a little bit more chaotic when it comes to the playoff picture. Well, Let's start with the big sky. All right. That, that's one that I find interesting just because we were in it. We know it. Our fans know it the best. Um, by my math, it looks like, Mon, you know, Montana, Montana State going to play this weekend. The brawl of the wild. And that'll be a big game for seeding. But those two are in. Idaho should be in. Now, I wanted to get your feeling on Sac State and Davis. The Causeway Classic this weekend actually takes on a big meaning with Sac State at seven and three and Davis at six and four. Give me your thoughts on that. Who, if Davis wins this game, who gets in? Do both get in? Do neither get in? Or what What have you thought so far when you looked at that? Yeah, the results of that game is going to be fascinating either way because if you see, uh, or excuse me, if Sac State wins, uh, they'll be eight and three. They won't have any ranked FCS wins though, but they will have an FBS power five win, you know, over a struggling Stanford team. And, uh, you know, Sac State with that resume would at least be considered for a seed, but I don't know overall if that's really a seedable, you know, resume or really lacking uh, ranked FCS wins there. But if UC Davis wins, then both finish uh, seven and four. And I think in this scenario, I, I don't know if both teams would get in, um, you know, I, that would mean five teams from the big sky, which has happened, you know, last year, but just with how packed the bubble has been, especially with UC Davis, not, you know, really being ranked in recent group weeks. Um, I don't know if that would potentially result in the playoff committee saying, okay, you know, it's, it's going to be one or the other, either UC Davis or Sac state, um, you know, conventional wisdom would say that most committee members would, would lean UC Davis because of that head to head. I mean, bump, uh, Sac State out, uh, even though, you know, Sac State would, would have that power five win. Um, you know, there's potential that both uh, could get left out, but I think the big sky has, has kind of warranted enough respect from the playoff committee where um, it probably won't be a three-bid league, but at the same time, a five-bid league 
um, also might not seem, you know, as likely because, like I said, you know, the, the playoff committee doesn't always mirror what the polls say, but but sometimes they, they kind of are in the same lockstep when it comes to thinking. And for UC Davis to go from, you know, not really even being close to being ranked to all of a sudden in the playoff field, that might seem like a, a pretty drastic jump in, in one week. Can you imagine the outrage if Davis beats them and they're both seven and four and Sack gets in? just because of the beating a terrible Stanford team early in the year when they were still getting their, you know, still getting their bearings early in the year under Troy Taylor. Jeez, would that, I mean, that would, if I was Davis, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be pretty mad, Sam, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I, I kind of think the playoff committee would lean UC Davis um, over Sac State. You know, again, they, they could put both teams in, but with how loaded the, the, the bubble is, um, you know, that, that might be a big ask to get both of those teams in. Um, and, you know, every, every committee is, is different. Uh, you know, there's, they, I think they serve five or six year terms. And so they have about three new members every year. And, and sometimes the playoff committee will talk about overall body of work. Sometimes they'll talk about, you know, what did you do for me in November? Um, and so Sac State would probably maybe still have the better resume, but UC Davis literally just beat Sac State in this scenario a day before right. selection Sunday. So I would, if I was on the committee, I would, and I had to do one or the other, I would probably go with UC Davis. Jeez, wow! After all we heard about Sac State all year, and then for them, yeah. if they lose this game, that would be, it would be devastating for you know for the fans, the program, be crazy. But yeah, how do you? I mean, somebody <laughs> basically Sac State just has to win that game. Is what is what is yeah. what I'm getting out of that, right? Yeah, yeah, winning in for Sac State and maybe be a seed if you're a Sac State, but you know that, that's, that's a different discussion on whether that's a seedable resume or not. All right, so the CAA, let's move out east. Uh, we don't need to spend as much time on this one. Uh, it looks like we got Delaware, Villanova, and Albany. That's who I got um, in. So that's three. And then it looked Richmond and William and Mary. Richmond seven and three, William and Mary six and four. They play each other. Now, Rhode Island plays Towson. I'll leave them out for a sec. But the, talk about the Richmond, William, and Mary game. Is that a – if William and Mary wins, do they get in? If I mean, Richmond at 8-3, and three, if they win, is that, a, is that a lock? Or what are your opinion on that? What's your opinion on that game? Yeah, so from the CAA, um, UAlbany, you know, is going to be in because they should win this weekend. Uh, I think the, the winner of the Delaware versus Villanova game, uh, that the winner there should probably be a seed, in my opinion, and the loser will, will still be in, um, in my opinion. So there's three teams uh, right there. I think if William & Mary beats Richmond, both are still, or both of those teams, William & Mary and Richmond, are going to be left out. Uh, William & Mary would finish with seven, you know, seven wins, but none of those wins are against ranked teams, and um, I don't think they would have the resume to get in. Richmond would be interesting if they beat William and Mary because Richmond would be um, eight and three overall. They would be seven and one uh, in the CAA, um, and that could lead to a three-way tie. Richmond at seven and one in the CAA, Albany at seven and one, and then the winner of uh, Nova versus Delaware would also be seven and one. So that's a three-way tie. Um, and I'm not even going to try to explain the, the auto bid uh, tiebreakers from the CAA, but it could come down to point differential. Um, so, you know, potentially whoever blows out their opponent the most this weekend could be the auto bid. I, I do think as odd as it sounds, if, if Richmond doesn't get the auto bid and they're in the at-large pool at eight and three, they don't really have any wins over 
teams that are being considered for the playoffs. And so I think there is potential for an eight and three Richmond team to be left out of the bracket if they don't get the auto bid, just because, yeah, they have eight D1, D1 wins out of the CAA. The CAA is usually pretty respected, but they have 15 members right now, which of course results in such an unbalanced scheduling and Richmond got a great draw this year. Um, and they just don't have any wins that really move the needle. Beating William and Mary this weekend would have been a great win, you know, 10 weeks ago, but now it's not so much of a great win. So I think Richmond is, is nervous either way. Um, they can potentially control their destiny if they beat William and Mary by like 20, you know, 30 points, uh, then maybe they can get the auto bid. Okay. But as an at-large bid, I, I just don't know about Richmond right now. So would you say the bubble teams – you know, such as UND and all the Missouri Valley teams, or that they're hoping William and Mary wins this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so, because that would knock okay. Richmond out of the playoff consideration. And, and William and Mary would, you know, they, they would have their resume thrown up there as, as a potential playoff team. But again, William and Mary, seven and four, no ranked wins. I, I don't think the tribe would get in. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's transition over to the Missouri Valley here, our neck of the woods, and it is jammed up, Sam. We got a lot. We got a lot of teams looking to get in this weekend. We we kind of, and actually things did happen a little bit. The 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 UNI loss last weekend did clarify things. If they hadn't lost, it would be worse, I think, because I think they might have hurt themselves a little. Even I don't know because. Okay, we got to get into this. I'm um, now I'm <laughs> rambling, Sam, and I'm like, see, see how cluttered up this is. I started, I started off on a tangent again. I don't even know what I'm saying here. Okay, we got South Dakota State. We got USDN. They're they're going to be seeds. Um, now, okay, now we got what one, two, three, six teams, Sam. Okay, we got NDSU. We got Southern Illinois, UNI, Youngstown, UND, and Illinois State. Okay, before we get to UND. Let's start with NDSU Northern Iowa. Okay, Sam. Now this NDSU seven and three, Northern Iowa six and four. Okay, let's run some scenarios in your head, Sam. Obviously, if NDSU wins, they're in and they're possibly squeezing out the eighth seed. Northern Iowa wins. What do you think happens, Sam, between those two teams? Yeah, so um bubble teams. Um, you know, UND uh, included are cheering for Northern Iowa uh, to lose here, um, in my opinion. Um, that knocks Northern Iowa out at, at six and five um, out of the playoff bracket and, you know, kind of just boosts everyone up, you know, within the valley, you know, kind of kind of up, up, up the total and pull when it comes to, you know, potentially being in. Uh, but I do think if, if Northern Iowa wins, um, I mean, I'll count, you know, you have South Dakota State, South Dakota, they're in. Northern Iowa, I think for sure, uh, is in at, at seven and four. Um, so there's three right there. I do think if UND beats Illinois State, I know we'll touch on that, uh, you know, probably a little bit later on, but I think UND, you know, is in at seven and four because they would have a head-to-head -head win over NDSU, who is also seven and four. Uh, so there's four teams right there. I still think NDSU is going to be in even with a loss to Northern Iowa. They would be seven and four but they have a head-to-head -head win over Southern Illinois, who also could be seven and four. So there's five teams right there. And last week at this time, I thought there was going to be six teams in uh, from the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and that, that number six spot was going to be um, between Southern Illinois and Youngstown State. I now kind of wonder if both of those teams could end up being left out because, uh, I mean, NC Central out of the MEAC is now looking like they could take um, an at-large bid. 
last week at this time, I didn't think UIW was going to get in that large bid, but just with how they're ranked, they're still being ranked decently high in the polls. I, I think the playoff committee is going to mirror that and put UIW in as an at-large bid. Um, so I just, I just don't know if there's going to be room for a sixth Missouri Valley football conference team, and that could leave Youngstown and Southern Illinois out at seven and four, even though they both have pretty good cases to make the bracket. I, I think both could end up getting left out. Yeah, Southern Illinois has the FBS win, but there's just not much happening. Mm-hmm. in the in the fcs world is it just it's just the indiana state win this weekend isn't going to do much for them so they're going to get to seven and four yeah i the more i looked at their resume it wasn't very impressive you know i think i put out a tweet the other day they haven't scored they can't score this year which is kind yeah. of with nick baker at quarterback i mean that's a you have to be a little surprised by that aren't you sam yeah uh and and it seems like they kind of flip-flop you know a little bit uh, i, I want to say like what was it like 2019 they were actually playing really good defense but their offense was struggling you know but then in uh, I think it was like 2021 or possibly last year I'm getting the years mixed up but their offense was really explosive but their defense was a little more leaky and now they've kind of flip-flopped uh, flip-flopped back to the offense just can't get things going but the defense overall has uh, has been uh, playing well so um, the Southern Illinois does have a win over Austin P um, at the at the start of the year and, and that's a good win um, Austin P could end the year on a nine-game winning streak, potentially be a seed uh, at nine and two. So that's another good win. Uh, but if it is between, you know, if, if the Valley does get six bids in, and it is between Southern Illinois and Youngstown State, SIU probably has the better resume than Youngstown State because they have the Austin P win, they have the FBS win, but Youngstown State beat Southern Illinois 31 to three, and so that head-to-head should also carry some weight. And so if we are in a position where the Valley does get six teams in, and it's between Youngstown State and Southern Illinois. I really don't know what the playoff committee is going to do because I could easily make the argument either way between SIU and uh, Youngstown State. Right. Jeez. Yeah, this is this is why we had you on, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'm healthy. I'm almost by that. Yeah, we just kind of look at each other sometimes well, like, I don't know. Like, well, that makes sense of this. You know, Sam, I – All I know is Montana's going to be playing at home, all right? Uh, we yeah, know, that. know that. Put, yeah. put it on a headstone. And, and Sam, you know, towards your point of Southern Illinois being up and down and one-year defense is strong and offense is strong, um, I can't imagine cheering for a team like that, what their fans must go through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, I know. We're, that's we're... a little shot at our favorite football team because that's what we've been <laughs> dealing with, you know, this year and, and you know, the home versus away and what have you. Um, and, you know, one thing with Southern Illinois, Kelly made the – um, the case for the FBS win um, that um, Sac State had early over Stanford. Yep. I, I think that that's kind of the same vein as Southern Illinois, Northern Illinois. You know, they've got that FBS win on it. But I think um, as parity starts to come together in FBS and FCS, because a uh, group of five, and FCS is looking more alike, especially with the transfer portal. I don't think those FBS wins carry as much weight. And I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on that. Unless you're beating a power five, unless you're going in and beating Schmitty and Kalen DeBoer at Washington, I don't think they carry that much weight when you get a group of five wins. Yeah, I, I see your points. Um, and I, I do agree, you know, with you that, you know, I, I, I do think the playoff committee, they each committee member, I guess, can, can kind of weigh things differently. Um, but I do think overall FBS wins still stand out to them. Uh, but I do know they, 
it's not like, okay, you have an FBS win, there's a check mark, you know, next to your name. I, I, they, they do look at exactly who, who you beat um, and how good that FBS uh, team is. Um, you know, of course, Stanford is, you know, has been struggling, you know, this year, but they are a power five. And so that just moves the needle a little bit more than a group of five. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there was, uh, you know, speaking of Southern Illinois, I can't, was it 2018 or 2019? I, again, I can't remember the years, but they finished seven and four and they beat an FBS opponent. Uh, but I think it was like UMass, who was like one of the worst teams in the FBS and, um, and SIU ended up getting, uh, left out of the playoffs, even though they had a, an FBS win. And so I do think, um, I don't know if they carry less weight the, the, the further we, we get into this transfer portal era, but I do know that they're not all FBS wins are not created equally when it comes to the playoff committee. Well, Sam Kelly and Matt and I are thinking about rounding up another eight guys and taking on Akron on a Tuesday night match. And you right. <laughs> I mean, some of these, you know, you look, you guys watch that last night. That's terrible. Oh. I mean, you just, and, and again, you know, I'm, I'm really, Oof. I don't usually offer a lot of opinions on this show, but, you know, the whole Maction thing, um, I, I think it's obvious when you look at the Tuesday night, Thursday night, late season Maction games and nobody coming to them, that North Dakota State, as as much as they want to be in FBS, would, would most likely not accept a Mac bid. You know, they're looking Mountain West or something like that. But, but when you look at the funding di- differential between Mac teams other than scholarships, but the, the facilities and funding, um, I'm going to make the argument Missouri Valley Football Conference is a better football conference than the MAC. You know, sue me. Right. <laughs> sue me, Twitter world. Yeah. Go top, at me. You know. Top half. Top you half. Know, top six, seven yeah, look, look pretty similar you know, funded, in a way. Yeah. They're funded better. They're, they're more consistent. They're, you know, I, I just think some of these group of five um, conferences, you know, they've been put together badly. And they're inconsistent and what have you. But, you know, towards your point, it is an FBS win. You still got 85 scholarships versus 63 and fourth quarter is what it usually comes down to. So, yeah, and, and kind of, you know, speaking along that point, you know, I've I've had to stop before and I think I've said it before, too, that a, a lot of complaints that, you know, some people might have about the FCS, you can also apply to a good chunk of the group of five, whether it's um, you know, really bad crowds, you know, in the whatever FCS playoffs. Well, you know, the group of five gets some pretty bad crowds uh, as well. You know, complain about the quality of football. Well, there is some bad football played in the group of five uh, as well. You know, I've, I've seen some people say that, uh, you know, FCS football is, um, is not financially sustainable. Well, you could also say the same thing about group of five because those, those programs are squeezing money out of their students even more so than the FCS. And so, um, you know, that, I still think the group of five, you know, overall is, is, you know, somewhat of a fun level, um, but as far as just, you know, saying the, the group of five is flat out, you know, a better option than, uh, than the FCS, you know, I think that is, that is circumstantial where, yes, the Mountain West is a much better option than the Missouri Valley Football Conference or the Big Sky, but when we're talking about Conference USA or MAC versus the Big Sky or, or the Valley and, you know, what situations are better for certain teams, I think there's, you know, that is not as much of a clear-cut case compared to, you know, the American or the uh, the Mountain West or, you know, the Sun Belt has great stuff going on right now. But not all, you know, FBS conferences are, you know, just, you know, absolutely crushing it right now. Well, lastly, Sam, let's get to the reason why we had you on as far as our fans go. UND, Illinois State this weekend, both 6-4. and four. And I think we when we ran through the Missouri Valley there, we saw both have a chance 
at getting an at-large bid. I think UND has a slightly better chance than Illinois State if they, you know, if they win the game. But does Illinois State have a chance to get in if they win? And what's, what do you think is going to happen this weekend in this game? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I don't know the the status of Zach Anstead, the, the starting quarterback for um, Illinois State, but him being out last week maybe suggests that he'll be out this week. And so that, that hurts Illinois State. You know, this being at home, you know, of course, also helps uh, UND. I mean, I think UND, and like we talked about before we uh, started recording, UND has been in this position, you know, many times where it's, you know, basically handle business in, in the final week and um, you're likely in the playoffs. And so, uh, like, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, I do think if UND wins this game, uh, they're going to be in the bracket, you know, at seven and four, uh, that, you know, the NDSU win, not only the win, but but how the Fighting Hawks won, I, I think that's going to carry um, a lot of weight, especially if, I mean, if N, if NDSU finishes seven and four, I think the Bison are in. And if, if you put the Bison in at seven and four, you, in my opinion, really have to put uh, UND in at seven and four. And if NDSU is eight and three and potentially a seed, I, I still think that kind of helps uh, UND because they still have that head-to-head win over, you know, a seedable team. And so um, UND, in my opinion, is in with the win. For Illinois State, you know, Illinois State wins that, you know, obviously knocks UND uh, out of the playoffs. For the Redbirds, they would finish 7-4, and four, but I don't know if this 7-4 and four Illinois State team would make the bracket. They wouldn't really have – I mean, they would have one ranked win, you know, of course, beating UND in this scenario. But other than that, they don't really have a win that stands off the page. Uh, they do have a head-to-head loss at Eastern Illinois, um, and Eastern Illinois could potentially be 8-3 and three in on the bubble. And so – that would probably knock Illinois State back behind Eastern Illinois. And honestly, I don't know if Eastern Illinois is going to make the playoffs as it is. So um, long story short, I don't – UND is in with a win. Illinois State's with a win, I, I don't think is, is going to end up making the bracket here. Sam, it's Matt. Uh, last year when we talked, we talked a little bit earlier in the season, and you talked about teams that are built to win a national championship. And – Two at the top of your list were NDSU and SDSU. And, well, you called it perfectly, and kudos to you. I don't know if you have a crystal ball or what, but uh, you nailed it. And both of those teams obviously went to the national championship. SDSU, not much has changed there. They're pretty much a favorite um, at the top of the list. It gets a little murky after that. You know, you got the Montana States and Montana, you know, the top five USD, but who in your mind, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot, who in your mind, who else is built to win this national championship this year? Yeah, that's that's a great question because, you know, whether you want to call it, you know, parity or maybe, you know, the FCS is getting worse. I don't know about that. But, you know, teams behind South Dakota State's, you know, two through 10, two through 15, every, every team has really been inconsistent. You know, whether it's, you know, Montana has been inconsistent. You know, Furman keeps on winning, but they've they've kind of been up and down as far as their performances. Um, you know, NDSU has been inconsistent. Montana State has been inconsistent. You know, Delaware was looking good, but they dropped a questionable game a couple of weeks ago. You know, South Dakota, you know, they keep on winning, but, um, you know, some of their performances, I don't know if they necessarily scream national title contender. And so it does kind of seem like it's South Dakota State versus everyone else, and it's kind of a big gap between South Dakota State and, and whoever that second team is. I mean, the Jacks have seven ranked wins right now, and I think five of those are all by three scores or more. So um, they're just rolling. Um, and so I, in my opinion, 
it's going to be South Dakota State and Frisco, and then who they face is going to be whoever wins the Brawl of the Wild this weekend, because I think if Montana wins, they're going to be the two seed. Um, if Montana State wins, they'll be the two seed, maybe the three seed, but if they're the three seed, they would go to Furman, the number two seed in the semifinals, and I would probably favor Montana State uh, to win there. So um, I think it'll be South Dakota State versus one of the Montana schools in Frisco. You know, you get three weeks to prep for that game, and you never know. You know, you put together a great game plan, and you play out of your mind. Maybe you knock off the Jacks, but, you know, barring, you know, injuries, though, of course, you never want to see that. But barring injuries, I just I just think the South Dakota State team is really rolling to a national title. Good call, Shannon. Sam Herter has been our Development Homes 360 guest. Uh, Sam, it's always great to have you on. I know you're originating out of the Twin Cities, but on my screen it says you're at Chahinkapa Zoo. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah, well, I uh, I got this cell phone several, several years ago in Wapakin, North Dakota. So that's, I, <laughs> that must that's be what it's got to be because it's got it says you're at the zoo, but I know you're down in the Twin Cities. I know it's a busy day for you, Sam. Thank you very much for spending yeah. time with us and sharing your expertise. Yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Sam Herter was brought to you by Development Homes of Grand Forks. They've been providing opportunities and a continuum of care since 1974. It's time to take a look around the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and that is brought to you by the Toasted Frog. And, fellas, we're getting a lot of comments about our newest sponsor, the Toasted Frog. People love it. People love the Toasted Frog. They're happy that the Frog is on with UND Football 360. Overwhelming response, really. Yeah. I mean, geez, I keep hearing it from people in town, and they see it. They see it on Twitter. And, yeah, it's been good. I'm glad, I'm glad we were able to partner up with them. Very good, respectable, high, high quality, fine dining restaurant. Oh, it's great! It's it, it's been awesome. John and those guys do a great job. But yeah, it's a, I, it's funny though. I get, I get DMs. Oh, I yeah. get people wa- around town that have mentioned to me. I'm like, wow, that, that really resonated. <laughs> you know, it, it sort of brings up the old saying: "You are who you hang with." So right. that, that raises right. our profile well, to have the frog on yeah. uh, both locations, <laughs> Fargo go. and Grand Forks, raises the profile of UND Football 360. One of the best restaurants in the Valley and one of the best podcasts in the Valley, right? Well, there so. you go. You know, <laughs> boom! That's what we're going to have to do. You know, next time Tom Miller is on, he has his Missouri Valley um, Football Conference power rankings. I want a podcast ranking. I want to go mm-hmm. up against, you know, the boys on FCS Nation and all these <laughs> others. And then... I want to go up against Jack Rabbit Illustrated because I got a bone to pick with them. All of a sudden, the Jack Rabbit Illustrated guys are picking who should be in and who should be out of the playoffs. What's that all about? Got to remember where you came from, guys. Oh, no kidding. (laughs) Now, no seven and fours are really worth it anymore. Oh, really? Well, I think, you you know what I think. I think we should all save a lot of bus and plane money and just crown them champs and have it be done with. Well, again, thanks to the Toasted Frog, we are going to take a look around uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Of course, you heard in our earlier segment with Sam Herter all the implications and uh, things that are going on in the Missouri Valley. But we are going to look... uh, more closely at last week's outcomes and what it means. And I think the biggest surprise, fellas, Missouri State in Springfield downs Northern Iowa 35-16. That's kind of a shocker. Not that they won, but won by that much. That much. I mean, I, yeah. it's certainly a win- winnable game for them, but boy, I, I it don't was know never even It was never in doubt. Close. I watched the game. Close. I yeah. tracked the game. It was never close. Um Northern Iowa got handled, 
and it right. surprised me. Yeah, because they have everything to play for. They seem to have righted the ship. You know, and actually, when you look back at the UND game, they weren't that dominant or anything. It was just a slow death, you know, for UND as it went on. The offense just couldn't get anything going, but the defense wasn't playing that bad. So really, it turned out 27 nothing. That was a little bit misleading, you know, about how dominant they were that day because UND just didn't look good. But, yeah, to drop that one when you're on the playoff cusp, now they have to beat NDSU. So they beat NDSU, they should get in. But, geez, that was a – yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, now, for everyone – okay, everyone listening, I was going to make a point about this. Other teams can look bad on the road too, I guess. It's not just UND. So, <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just let's just oh, take man. that into account that right. Northern Iowa can go on the road against the bottom feeder and get blown out. Okay, UND doesn't go on the road against the worst teams in the league and get blown out. That doesn't happen. They don't even lose to them. They just lose to the better, the top half. Yes, but they don't do that. So, we're not the only one. Okay, that loses we are on the not. road. And yeah. Matt, I'm going to go to you on this one. Speaking of losing on the road, North Dakota State, and again, they down Southern Illinois 34-10. Not a good performance by the Salukis. They did not look good in this game. No, hoping more from the Salukis. Uh, you know, Southern Illinois, they're, they're a good football team, and any given year they have the talent level to be able to beat just about anybody in the Missouri Valley, but I was hoping more for more yeah, for them this weekend. Offense, like I said, power out, and I think they've put up 7, 10, 14, and 7 against the top four teams on their schedule. So they just can't score. Up with Nick <laughs> Baker. I mean, Nick Baker was supposed to be a you know Walter Payton Award candidate right. coming into the season, and they can't score. My question is, is it still Dale Lennon's fault? That they're not winning because wow. of, I you read know, I, I, I read a lot of that over the years. I, yeah, oh, and, we got to get Dale Lennon's guys out of yeah, here. That's got, Nick Hill's problem. And not only oh, that, even okay. their broadcast team. When you it's would been listen, eight years, when you so. would listen to their radio broadcast team, the hammering that North Dakota would get, that Dakota would get, all these kinds of things. And I've had you know discussions with Bubba and Dale on some of that, and and, and some of it was just a general lack of support. These were you know university employees talking that way they weren't helping the process <laughs> but i agree with you you know is that still dale lennon's fault um <laughs> next one um kelly i'm going to give this one to you the rabbits go in and shut out the penguins in youngstown well i i sent out a tweet that the penguins got their dose of reality we all got it this year and they got theirs last week yeah. <laughs> so they thought they were rolling i mean i know you know because they we follow a few of their fan accounts on there and they're good yep. people they're good guys but they you know they were admittedly upbeat right because yep. they should be they were scoring points this year and but you know everybody who hadn't played south dakota state thought they were in this thing you know and thought they were looking better than they were and then you play them and get and i put out another tweet that showed the results of everyone in the top five who's played south dakota state well remember when und lost 42 to 21 and you know, they were running all over us and, oh, how embarrassing. That was ridiculous. Well, did you look at the other scores? <laughs> Northern <laughs> Iowa, 41 to 6. Okay. Youngstown, was it 34 nothing? He said last week. 34 nothing. 34 yep. nothing they lost. Uh, NDSU, 33 16. And South Dakota, 37 to 3 at home they lost. 
So our forty-two twenty-one isn't looking so bad. Yeah, yeah <laughs> anymore. We're, we're scoring. What, we scored the most points <laughs> right. against them, right? Well, so. <laughs> I'm just saying you got you know every your dose of reality is coming. In the past, it was NDSU against NDSU. Now we were in the Big Sky, so we didn't get that. But you know, you think you're better than you are. And I, I tweeted about this in the past. I said, um, being in the Big Sky, you get a false sense of superiority. Being in the SoCon, being in the CAA. You get a false sense of how good you are because you don't have to play NDSU and SDSU, okay? And you don't have to play uh, Northern Iowa, you know, when they're good and that type of thing. Well, now we're getting it, and you 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 fall in line now to where you are in the country in the FCS landscape because you're facing it every year. Yeah, week in and week out. You know, and, no. and I think I, I was looking at the stats on that. I was watching and monitoring that game a little bit. I think Youngstown had two-plus field position appearances in that game is that it i think they had two oh jeez so it, it was it was and they were dominant. scoring big points and they were too that's surprising points. it was yeah. pretty dominant a lot of three and outs um matt our favorite indiana state sycamores the team with all heart this year gets their first win over western illinois 27 6 Hats off to the Sycamores. Absolutely. We, we called it last week. Uh, and know, again, this is, lots not, of pride in that this is not a Bronx cheer. We do have a lot of respect for that program yeah, because could, uh, they've been in a lot of games this yeah, year. Well, they're, they could have won the UND game. Yeah, that's they, for sure. They're a good team. I mean, they, they're good players, well coached. Uh, lots not. of pride in the program. They just fall a little bit short in the games. And uh, hats off to the Sycamores. Yeah, pr- happy for them to get their win. And finally, this week's opponent, the Illinois State Redbergs, Take it to Murray State, forty-four-seven at home. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that was I watched, you know, rewatched it, and yeah, Murray didn't look like they had much, much to offer in that one. They weren't real <laughs> too enthused yeah, in the up front in the run game. I know yeah. they weren't looking to stop much, and but yeah, it was um, different quarterback. I mean, we're going to get into our preview with Illinois State, but they got a different quarterback now. So with the injury to Anixted, so. Yeah, this is uh, it'd be interesting. I mean, Illinois State's a good win for them, though. Forty-four-seven coming into the LRS. We covered the standings at length in our segment with uh, Sam Herter, but we are going to take one more look at this week's schedule in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and and of course, once again, this is all brought to you by the Toasted Frog. We got South Dakota at Western Illinois, so the Coyotes really ending on a good nice. schedule note. Yeah, I already got all their tough games out of the way and that's so well, that's kind of how you want to do it plus they'll get a they'll get a they'll get a week off. They're going to the get seat. a week off with yep. a seat. So, uh Youngstown State at Murray State Youngstown still very much in the picture in the playoff picture. They've they've got probably an uphill climb given resume, but they go yep. to Murray State. Right. They they should win that one and then they just got to hope. They got to hope, you know, like we we mentioned you know, off air. I think we were talking. You know, there's there's certain games around the country that have to happen to eliminate some bubble teams, and so they need they need all those. Missouri State comes into South Dakota State. Matt, any chance of an upset? Uh, no. Okay. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> we got that. No, no, even even there's, no, there's no. the analysis on that one. Yeah. No. <laughs> even if SDSU plays poorly, I think they're still no. win by a couple scores. Indiana State goes to Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois, like several other Missouri Valley teams, bubble team. Uh, Indiana State comes in. They are capable. They're gonna have to, here's we mentioned in Southern Illinois can't score. They're gonna have trouble with that front. So in Indiana State's giving everybody fits with their front five. I don't know. 
I mean, it's it'll be a, they got a puncher's chance now. Can they score? I don't know. That's their issue, but it's gonna be tough for Southern Illinois, and they're they're playing for you know their playoff lives, and they need and they probably need a little help. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Indiana State's got a chance in that one. And here's a scoreboard watcher. North Dakota State goes to Northern Iowa, and you heard Sam in the earlier segment. He mm. goes, Hawk fans. You need to be rooting for North Dakota State in this to to improve the Hawks' chances for um, positioning. And yep. you know you got to take care of business if you're the Hawks. Got to win. But a North Dakota State win, in Sam's opinion, knocks the Panthers out. I think. Yeah, so. I thought. And well, it, it does it, mathematically. Well, it does. Yep, six, for it, sure. It six, helps our. That'd be their fifth loss. Right. Either way. Yes. Either way. The only thing is. You know, when you think about this, okay, let's say Northern Iowa wins. Now they're both 7-4. and four. We're 7-4 and because we plan on winning. Okay, I'm just going to put it out there. We plan on winning. So we're all 7-4. and four. It's all a big circle again because we all beat each other. Right. Boy, then it comes down to resumes after that. After that um, we don't ooh. want – we want to avoid that. Yeah, so, so, we we gotta have. I'd rather have someone be eliminated. I don't so care if NDSU goes eight and three. Here's a question now. I'm going to put to both of you: Can this year's Bison squad go into Cedar Falls and win? Kelly, you first. Yes, I mean yes, they can. I'm trying to envision which Northern Iowa team. Now Northern Iowa is a different squad at home. Okay, they're they're kind of turning into a UND deal where at home they're really good and on the road they're not quite the same whereas it's, I think they've been more even in the past let's call it oh yeah I mean Andy's you can win for sure it's just w- what kind of air attack you know is Northern Iowa going to let loose in this one because when it gets going it's devastating and it's pretty but you know they're not it's an even matchup I mean in my mind if I don't know what the spread is but if you told me the Spread was a pick on my degree. If you told me it was, you know, anything more than three, I'd say no. You know, no way. So, yeah, anyway. What do you see this coming down to? Where do, where, where do you see this North Dakota State-Northern Iowa matchup, Matt? Uh, going to come down to two, three plays in the game. Um, probably a three-score game. Um, you know, going to be one in the fourth quarter type of game. Uh, Northern Iowa will probably come out early and hard against the Bison. But, you know, the, the, the Bison are always a team that – kind of hang around and they play well in the second half. So I think that they'll you know, if they're going to win, they're going to come back in the fourth quarter. Northern Iowa I think will come out flying. Uh, they'll go up early, maybe one, two scores on them and then, you know, they're. I think the Bison will come back, maybe get close and, and for our sake, hopefully win. See, when I look at this, I I don't know if UND can get hurt. I'm trying to pull up some things. I don't know if UND can get hurt by this one too much. Yeah, the Northern Iowa loss hurts, but as I go to this thing, it's like if we're all seven and four, NDSU's not getting in in front of us. Okay, they'll they'll look at that, but then they'll say, okay, Northern Iowa, and I think it'll be it'll depend on other games. Is what'll happen to other where all all three of us will yeah. get all three would, would get, get in. in is what I think would happen because there's not, no way the committee would be like, all right, NDSU, you're in, but UND, you're not. There's just no way because we just beat Illinois State, who's six, who will be six and five, and number twenty three in the Massey, I think, is what it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Is there any thoughts? Am I am I over simplifying what, this thing? No, I, what I think is is that uh, you know Sam brought it up that. 
that if NDSU wins, they have a potential at an eighth seed, at the eighth seed. And, you know, it pretty much just eliminates them. If they lose, it eliminates them from a seed. Now we're all playing play-in games, you know. And then it'll probably bump out a, you know, a, you know, what? Furman or somebody like that. Yeah, I just I don't think we can. I don't think UND can get hurt because Northern Iowa beat Youngstown. That'll help them. They beat Illinois State, so that'd be a wash. But they just lost to Missouri State, who, as near as I can tell, is going to have a losing record. Correct? Yeah, Missouri State's going to end with a losing record. Well, UND doesn't have a bad loss, you know. And we we've seen in the past bad losses will hurt you. Well, however it shakes. Down, that is our look around the Missouri Valley Football Conference. It was brought to you by the Toasted Frog with locations in downtown Fargo and downtown Grand Forks. Guys, we're going to have to take a break. That is a lot to unpack in our first segment. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have our Thunder Lake Lodge 360 game preview, which includes the Hail Mary Quiz 360 game preview, Kelly and Matt's picks by Rumors Sports Bar Grill and Casino. We have a 1 p.m. kickoff Saturday at the Alaris Center. Home game, everything on the line for the Hawks. Folks, get your green on this weekend. until we decide it is. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans? Forget it, he's rolling. It ain't over now. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! This is Will Rattel, and you're listening to UND Football 360. Welcome back to the UND Football 360 podcast. Shannon Kelly and Matt, segment two, introduced by Will Rattel. And when the tough gets going, you need Will Rattel. Yeah, that was a pretty good guy that uh, UND had in the past. And he's still, he's still ready to go. He still looks like he could do it. Oh, he has no, no doubt he could get on the field right now and <laughs> still play at the same level he did. I saw some of the, he's like a power lifter now, and he, see some of the videos on online, and oh my God, he, he's probably twice as strong as he was when he played. Now, Perfect so. form on yep. all his Olympic oh, lifts. For sure, yeah. 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 He's a good, and he's our UND strength coach, so these kids are learning from him. On the form, which you know, form is the number one thing, and so yeah, he's it's been great. I'm glad he's stuck around the program. Yeah, yeah, good to have guys stick around and and reinvest, and and we need people like that. Well, we have the Illinois State Redbirds in this weekend, so we've had a lot of Illinois. Cole Reyes uh, introduced us in the first segment, the Schomburg Illinois 
uh, All-American for North Dakota. And then, of course, we had to turn to the boys from Aurora, Illinois, in Wayne's world. And, you know, Matt, that was a tribute to you because that's always Matt's mic test when we when we test our mics at the start of the show, you guys don't get to hear it, but sibilance, sibilance is oh, always. I say it every mic. week. Yeah, it test every one, week. two, sibilance, sibilance. <laughs> Big Wayne's World fan growing up. Oh, yeah. You know, '90s kid, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, Wayne's World. And, uh, well, and then that fi- shocked the world. Can't do everyone. Whoa, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my. And then, you know, you got to turn to our friend Ludo Lutowski from Animal House to let us know it ain't over and it ain't over for the Fighting Hawks. This is our Thunder Lake Lodge 360 game preview. UND comes in number 13 in the country, give or take. We'll take 13. Um, Illinois State receiving votes, unranked, 1 p.m. kickoff at the Alaris Center. Yeah, this is a this is a top 25 matchup because they should be they should be ranked. Illinois State's a good team and you know, before we get into the minutia of it, you look at it, they're six and four. Okay, they have, don't, but it, they were the team that I said before the season. I think we did our preseason podcast. I said that schedule is going to kill them. So they got to pull an upset or they're not getting in the playoffs. I, we, we even went as far as to say, hey, on November 18th, they're going to show up at the Alaris Center. They're going to need a win. They're going to need a big win. Well, here we are. UND needs a big win. They need a big win, and I don't even know if they'll get in if they do. But, yeah, it's it, they just didn't quite take care of, you know, what they needed to do in the top of their schedule, but they beat the other team. So this is a good team. You know, they always look good. They always look so, good. Yeah. And, and, Matt, it's only the third all-time matchup between the Hawks yeah. and the Redbirds. So, yeah. you know, a little bit of a mystery yet, although Brock's back uh, 15 years. And with Stig's retirement, he's got to be the dean of – Missouri Valley football coaches right now. Yeah, well, Farley. Yeah, Farley. Farley and Farley and Yeah, they're it. So, yeah, yeah it, only uh, not not a lot to look back on. Not a lot of history with these two programs, but uh, good team coming into Laris. Uh, you know, Rittenhouse looks good. Uh, good quarterback. Good offense. But yeah, last time they came, that was a rock fight. That was a rock. Oof. Fight. Jeez, that was, I mean, and I've, I've made light of it over the last couple of years, but <laughs> it was, I mean, they were more than happy to run inside zone or RPO, which turned into inside zone, and maybe pop, throw a pop pass to the tight end and punt. And they just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And UND's offense couldn't get anything going because Illinois State's defense is good. And it was, oh, man, I, we won the game, but geez, was that brutal. But before Brutal. we get into the weeds, Kelly, pardon my interruption, we got to have this week's Hail Mary quiz. No, there we go. Right. And as we know, in the Hail Mary quiz, there is no prize for the winner, but there is a chore for the loser. And you just heard Mike Check done expertly by Tom Hanks in an uh, Aurora, Illinois, Wayne's World skit on Saturday Night Live. And here's what the loser of this week's Hail Mary quiz has coming up. You know the Jonas Brothers are coming to the Alaris Center, right? Well, they canceled it. They did. Canceled it last night. You know where they're going? I was not aware of no, that. No, last night they canceled it. Uh, they're going to College Game Day at well, James Madison instead Saturday morning. You know so what? they had to cancel this ton Friday night's concert. Oh they goodness. had to cancel. They're in 
what are they, Winnipeg the day before? Winnipeg now or uh, and like St. Paul Sunday or something like that. So they canceled just Grand Forks' concert oh, to go to I college game day. Yeah. I had not heard. Well, Can this, you believe that? That's, I mean, it's terrible. That's brutal. That's brutal. Yeah. But not only does it make this week's chore even more of a chore because you got to go to James Madison to do this week's chore. So the loser <laughs> of this week's Hail Mary quiz has to be a grunt and the mic check man for the Jonas Brothers at James Madison. I'll sign up. <laughs> Mike, I'll go. <laughs> yeah, I'll go. James Madison. <laughs> well, and then, what's dumb about that? Yeah, but they're going to go there, and what are they – I mean, they're going to be on for 30 minutes tops. I don't know. That, you know, whatever. They'll be that. in and out of the segments. Yeah. Play two songs and you're you done. Cancel the entire concert that people, you know, yeah. they're a big name. So they the are people who are fans of theirs exactly. have been waiting for this. Right. But, you know, you know, from a corporate standpoint, though, they're looking at this as a lot more exposure. Yeah. They're going to get more exposure right. on college game day than right. they are in Grand. Well, we'll show them. We'll yeah. send. Yeah. We'll send one of the team from UND Football 360 to go. do their mic check. Gentlemen, are you aware that Red Wilson's Kickoff return for a touchdown was the 21st in UND football history. Were you aware? I did not know that. I did not know that. Well, it was. I'm here to, I'm here to teach you people. Uh, the first was on September 30th, 1961 versus Morningside. A gentleman named Bill Harbicorn returned at 75 yards for a touchdown. This week's Hail Mary quiz is all about numbers. Of those 21... How many, you know there was at least two, because two opening kickoffs happened this year for the Fighting Hawks. How many of those 21 kickoff returns for a touchdown opened the game? How many were opening game kickoff returns? We're going to go to Matt Nelson first. Matt, how many of the 21 opened the game? I will say Five. Okay. Matt Nelson says five. Kelly Howe, how many do you say of those 21 opened up the game? Four. Oh, you prices right. <laughs> yeah. Matt Between Nelson. Bob Barker. You are the winner. Oh, <laughs> yes. Five. You nailed it. Kelly didn't even uh -huh. have a chance. <laughs> Kelly didn't even five have a chance. Five on the head? So here they are uh. in chronological order on September 22nd, 1984. September 22nd, 1984, in Brookings, Tracy Martin returned the opening kickoff. Tracy Martin. Next up. that name before. September 20th, um, 1997, which coincidentally was the 30th birthday of the host. In Grand Forks, <coughs> Chris Schrantz against South Dakota State ran the opening kickoff back. Yeah, I was there. Kelly was there. On the field, I remember Kelly that. Kelly was on the field. Yeah. That's right. That yep. would have been your era, 1997. Yep. In 2016, October 29th, 2016, against Weber State in Grand Forks, John Santiago oh, yeah. ran the opening kickoff back and electrified the Alaris crowd. And then, of course, October 14th, 2023, this season, North Dakota State, Luke Skokna, 100-yard return. And just this past weekend, November 11th, 2023, at South Dakota, Red Wilson, 99 yards. Now, um, that's pretty impressive. Matt Nelson, that you knew that. And also, if anybody is wondering, why is Luke Skokna's return considered 100 yards and not 101 yards? 
because in college football, if you bring it out of the end zone, they don't tack on anything in right. the end zone. In professional football, they do. If you return it 107 yards in professional football, it's a 107-yard return. College football mm -hmm. statistics, the most you can have is a 100-yard return. So that is this week's Hail Mary quiz. And now we can get into the weeds on the 360 game preview. And like always, it's brought to you by Thunder Lake Lodge. You know, last week I could feel Reamer, Minnesota, trying to get us into the end zone and our friend Craig Riondo. Yeah, it was – he was watching, and he was, yeah, we just, I don't know. It was a tough one. But uh, talked to Craig a little bit this week and fired up for this weekend. You know, got <laughs> to move ahead to Illinois State. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I look at this, look at this game, the first thing I wanted to point out to everyone, this is not your father's Illinois State offense. Okay, they're trying to score points this year. Okay, they're not purposely holding themselves back I would put it as they did in the past just to try to win by three and 411 yards offense they seem to be taking more chances playing a little no huddle doing some no huddle so that's interesting they hadn't done that in the past um but yeah um Matt you mentioned Rittenhouse quarterback Tommy Rittenhouse yep. is in now yeah because Annexted the Minnesota transfers hurt mm -hmm. I think in a knee knee issue so he there's probably a chance he's not playing. So Rittenhouse is a different kind of player, 5'11", 190, kind of a little – kind of a Tommy. Looks a lot like Tommy, can run, you know, will run. So different, different than Annexted. So that, that'll be interesting. But, yeah, it, it's going to be – it's going to be an interesting – you know, I, I kind of had a feel – I thought I had a feel for Illinois State coming into this year, but they've changed things up. Credit to Brock's back. They've tried to score points, and they are. They are, what do they got, 30, 32 a game. So, yeah, I mean, they're trying to juice things up a little bit. It obviously puts your defense in bad spots at times when you do that. But uh, the quarterbacks, they've only allowed seven sacks all year. And, that I mean, that's a very impressive stat. And one, the offensive line, I, we like to rank offensive lines. I'm going to put this in the top three. This really? is a good unit. Yep, this is a very good unit, very solid uh, big kids. You know, when you watch them, they see Illinois State always has big offensive linemen. They always have the Matt right. well, let's go looking offensive yeah, linemen. Yeah. yeah, they got a couple more. You know, and so yeah, I, this is gonna be it's gonna be tough. Yeah, especially Rittenhouse. You said is a is a different type of player, but man, I well, it, it was against Murray State, so take that with right. a grain of salt. I watched that game. Uh, but he looks comfortable back there. He looks like he can run the offense efficiently. Uh, you know, they were rolling against Murray State, but um, he looks – he's a good decision maker. He can run their offense very efficiently. Uh, Mason Blakemore, uh, obviously their go-to running back, uh, scored three touchdowns against Murray. Uh, obviously he's their – you know, their uh, – you know Isaiah Smith type of guy that that we like to run to, um, but the running game looks good. They're going to run some uh, inside zone, outside zone, kind of spread you out a little bit. They're going to take their chances, and then uh, they are turn into kind of a passing first type of offense, where then they'll try to get you with a pass and then go inside zone on you. So they're they're all over the place. We're going to have to have our we're going to have to have. A lot of discipline on defense this week because they are across the field. They remind their their offense reminds me of UND. 
in a little bit. Very, very much so. Yeah. yeah. Very much they get, so. They get the ball out quick, which the seven sacks, you know, would allude to that, right? They like to get the ball out quick, a lot of a lot of inside zone, you know, stuff like that. But big offensive line, physical, um, Sobkowitz, number two, the wide receiver. He's a heck of a player, 6'3", kid, 54 catches, eight touchdowns on the year. Obviously, he's going to be an issue, you know, for our corners. We've been getting beat at times. And even though Devin Hembry had a play, has been playing very well, and we didn't mention him um, in the game review, but he had a beautiful interception in the end zone where he went up and snagged it. Um, but uh, overall, we've been getting getting picked on a little bit in the passing game when we shouldn't be, in my opinion. And Sobkowitz is going to be another one of those guys that hey, we gotta we gotta defend it because they're going to go deep to him. You know, they're going to throw it up, and, and we, as we've said all year, if you defend a few of them, they'll stop doing it because they don't want to they don't want to look stupid. Keep you know keep trying the same thing, and so if you defend it early, things work out. You know, later on. And perfect example, Murray State seemed to defend their inside zone f- decently in the first in the first couple series of the game, and then uh, Illinois State just went to pass first, pass, 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 and then they yeah. went back to the inside uh, draw, um, outside zone type of stuff to once they established the passing game. So uh, they're gonna do what works, you know. They're kind of like you said, very similar to UND where. We don't know what we're going to run. We're going to run what works for this defense right. that we're going up against. And they're not afraid to change their game plan. So so that's why I said, you know, our defense is going to have to be disciplined and make sure that we're on point the whole game because they're they're not afraid to change it up. Not They're similar. Similar to UND in that they're better at home, I think, than they are on the road. So that'll help us, help UND. Obviously, we know how UND plays at home, and I would expect a full effort. But moving to the other side of the ball – um, the one thing you can count on when Illinois State walks in is they're going to look really pretty on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's gorgeous. When you look at those guys, it's like 6-3 safeties, 6-1, six, 6-2 six, corners, you know, and they're just long, athletic, fill out their pads, and they play hard, and they're twitchy up front, and they they got their big guy over the no, uh, at nose, and then they got their athletic defensive ends, and yeah, they're they're good defensively again. Twenty points a game, you know that's all you need to do is look at that right there. Twenty eight sacks, so they don't not a huge pressure team, I don't think, but they when they bring it, they bring like six. I mean, they'll just all of a sudden send send everyone from the they like to bring them from the same side you know type of thing overload one side and so it's that's a lot of this game because UND does so much RPO it's going to be on Tommy to get up there and identify it pre-snap now he's not going to be able to tell obviously pre-snap if they're pressuring but the, the, the they tip you off obviously the defensive line right I mean you played up there the way the way the defensive line aligns kind of tips you off if, if the pressure's coming and what side it's coming from. You know, so he it's going to be very important that he gets UND into the right sets, is my point. Right, and just to speak on the athleticism of Illinois State, they have a lot of confidence in their D-line because if you watch the ga- last few games that they've played, uh, their, their outside defensive ends, uh, they go on a two-point, and they're, they're walked off a little bit off that mm-hmm. tackle. So they're, <clears throat> you know, very rare to see defensive ends up in a two-point. They play like a 
half linebacker, outside linebacker position. So they have some yeah. confidence in those guys and athleticism, and then they can also be a pass rush uh, type of guy too. So um, sometimes during the, the game on Saturday, you will see just two down linemen on that defensive front. Mm. So uh, that's one thing that I picked up. I'm like, oh, wow, these guys are talented on the outside especially. So we're going to have offensive line-wise now, communication. Right. You know. So so that's going to add a wrinkle to our, to our O-line into our offense where we're going to have to be heads up because right. because uh, they'll be able to sniff out a lot of what we do off the edge and the you know some of the quick passes out to Isaiah stuff like that that they're they're not afraid to send a D lineman out there. One thing I did did notice in the stats allowing 41% on third down. Interesting. That's not very good. You know, and UND isn't real great on third down either. But chances for the offense is the point there. I mean, this isn't a dominant defense in all phases all the time. They're good. This is a top, you know, I call it a top five defense in the Missouri Valley. I think, you know, we could call it that. Yeah. And safe, you know, so it's fair. It's going to be tough. Certainly for the talent wise, they are. I mean, you know, their stats might not say that necessarily across the board, but certainly a talented Missouri Valley. And I think, you know, if you want to be a good Missouri Valley team, you need a good stout defense. Yeah, we're gonna they, they, they have, have been. They they, have it'll been. be on. It'll be on Tommy. It, it's he's just he's gonna have to make plays. He's gonna be scrambling. We know that because they're gonna get after him up front. They're gonna flush him. Seems like when UND is rolling, you guys, um, Tommy's finding guys downfield, and that really sparks the crowd and sparks the team. Is when he flushes out of the pocket and finds that deep crosser. You know, it seems it just when. It's like the crowd senses that everybody senses that there was nothing there, and we made something happen and moved the chains, and now everyone's fired up. That's going to have to happen in this game. I think he's going to be running a little bit. And also, very similar to the NDSU game, when they bring that pressure, when they decide, okay, they're going to bring the pressure from the one side, Tommy's got to pick up on it as the ball's being snapped because he won't quite know, like I alluded to, but once that ball's being snapped, he's going to see it coming. He's all, there's always a pass to every run. There always is. That's just the football these days. Does he, does he process it quick enough to not hand that ball off? Because you hand the ball off, you're running back dead mm-hmm. to get it out in the flat, get the RPO, and then now the perimeter blocking, which UND has been very good at perimeter, perimeter blocking throughout the year. I mean, they, granted, South Dakota, I think it could have been better, in my opinion, but um, – very good perimeter blockers. That's why our screens work. So look for that. So, Kelly, you're saying it's not necessarily a check down. It's an RPO that's decided RPO. at snap. Yeah, that's it's an RPO. Every, every run has a pass play attached to it. And I used to watch that and wonder, why is Bo running a bubble when we handed it off up the middle? Why is Bo, you know, running a fade? Well, sometimes you run a fade just to get the guy out of there. Okay, yeah, he was doing that. Well, no. They're always meant they, – they, if you watch, they run downfield. The other two blockers will run downfield and block. So if you hand it off, they're blocking. If you throw the bubble, they're blocking because the bubble's behind the line. Behind the line. So you can't yeah. get a penalty. So there's always a pass attached to every run. And I struggled to pick up on that because I was – I didn't know. You know, I'm not obviously privy to the new – new age offense. I'm not sitting in on meetings and stuff, but I always kind of wonder what the heck are they always running these fake pass plays for on the outside? Well, no, they're not fake. They're real. Those receivers think they're getting the ball every play. It's just whether Tommy pulls it and throws it to him or not. 
So, yeah, it this is one of those games I think where you're going to see a whole lot of that just because how Illinois State plays up front. It's going to be tough sledding. There's not, this is not – this is not going to be a game where I was 175 yards rushing, 200. I don't. I would be shocked if we got a ton of yards rushing. So, three phase, Matt. Yeah. I mean, we want to win this game. It's going to be a three phase effort. They're not going to be able to struggle through this one because this this team's very close to South Dakota in talent. And I mean, there's not a whole lot of difference in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Well, let's <laughs> turn our attention to Kelly's and uh, Matt's picks which is sponsored by Rumors Sports Bar, Grill, and Casino. And, you know, talking about giving up, I know Billy and the boys haven't given up at Rumors. Nope. They are going to be there early. Never. They will never, never give up. Give up. The they never give up on the ponies either. The odds are always <laughs> in their favor Exactas. at Rumors. Yeah, three-horse exactas is what they like to hit over there. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, but, yeah, no, it'll be on. They're fired up. I think they'll be hikey hockey that night. Too right, so well. it'll be a full day there because they're running the buses. You Somebody could... help me out. Who comes in for hockey? Uh, Miami of Ohio. Miami of Ohio yep. comes in. Okay. So you can spend the whole weekend at Rumors if you really want. Yeah. You can. Well, I the mean, buses, the, the buses run, and those buses are great because yeah. they run you out to the Alaris Center. They bring you back. You eat, have your drink. By the time you're done, the bus heads right out to the Ralph. To the Ralph. And yeah. you never drive. It, I was in there the other weekend. And the way that works is just amazing. The place like was full clockwork. in between games, full, because everybody came back on the bus. And all of a sudden, everyone starts heading out. And then a new crowd comes in at, you know, 6.30, something like that. The new crowd starts to trickle in as the bus people are leaving. And there's just always people in there. It's a it's unbelievable deal. for Because you don't have to deal with the, well, 15 bucks a person to park at the Alaris? Yeah. Who it's, priced that, too, by the way? I don't know. Holy it, my it, God. It, it, Went up fifty percent in one year. Well, it was it was five, it was then five, it was ten a 10, few years ago, right? Fifteen, yeah. And now it's fifteen, and there, it's like, uh, and and you know, no. again, we're not in on these decisions. But those are most likely those are um, facility decisions, not University of North right. Dakota decisions. I'm sure they're negotiating. Well, it just tells you the value of taking a bus out there, and you, and they pull you up to the front door. <laughs> so does. I mean, it's starting to really, really and, be worth it. And and if you take the bus, that's one and a half. More $9 bush lights that you can have at the venue. Right. And um, <laughs> the number of people that are parking outside of Alaris parking or oh, yeah. Ralph walking. parking and walking is strong. Now, I want to see if they do that in January at the Ralph because, you know, I have, I, I used to have pretty good parking at the Ralph and it was still oh. miserable after the game walking north, you know, towards the Albatross. So, years right. ago, I went to, I haven't been to a game for years, but. Uh, my wife and I went to a game. Uh, I don't know. We got tickets somehow. And it must have been January, February. Okay. I get as close as I can, drop her off. It was, if it was zero, I'd say it was, um, it was warm. It was not zero. It was below zero. Okay. It was awful. I ended up parking. What's that school to the west, uh, east there? Is it wet? Is that called west or the school just to the east across university? Okay, there's a school over there. Two blocks past university to the east. Okay. So, yeah, on the other side of university. Okay. Okay. Or Columbia. Columbia. Not university. Columbia. Oh, okay. The other side of Columbia. Yeah, yeah, I screwed it up. Um, I parked over in the school parking lot. Okay, because there is no parking at the office. It's not like I was trying to save five bucks. There is no parking. You can't get in. So I parked over there and walked. By the time I got there, I mean, it was almost call the ambulance time. 
because I didn't have a hat. I didn't have gloves. It was like you were back in college. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. I'm not going to talk about that. But you were, yes, exactly, is my point. But I could not feel my fingers, my ear. I mean, it was probably 30 minutes. I was inside the building before I became comfortable. And, yeah, I mean, but the walking the other day, uh, what was the, whatever the last home game was, um, they were coming from Altru direction. Okay, you know, past the um, – what the – gas station on the across the street dairy and, yeah uh, dairy valley dairy. Valley, dairy. valley dairy they were five blocks down the road because there's not a whole lot of parking you have to just fill up the neighborhoods there yep. they were coming from i mean they're damn near at 34th down there by ultra mm-hmm. walking because i think that 15 bucks is like making people it like be like making it's making them make that uh decision yeah. right my daughter and son-in-law and their kids missed kickoff last game because um, the parking lot was stacked up yep. uh, a little bit, and they, they missed the kickoff. But, yeah, the 15 bucks makes people think about it. Well, let's get to Matt and Kelly's picks last week. Matt picked the Hawks. Kelly picked the Coyotes. I forget what the scores they picked, but uh, we uh, know the outcome. It was a 14-10 win by the Coyotes, and that makes Kelly the winner. His record is now 7-2-1. and one. He's playoff eligible. Matt drops to two seven and one, and he has packed the gear eligible. So, but Matt, I'm a lot better than what my record shows. You are a lot better than what your record. Shows. I should have had that win last weekend. You should have, and, and here's should have, and you now. get to you get to go first uh, this week, Matt, and um, we're going to turn it to you and say, who do you have in this battle of the birds, Hawks versus Redbirds? Well, uh, it's going to be a good game, so don't expect a you know a a blowout by any means by UND. So this is going to be a battle. It's going to be a good test for UND. I think I think we need that, too, at home, a good test at home and to gain some confidence. Uh, and, you know, our team's going to know that, hey, we got to play to our best ability here this weekend and end and the season on a high note. With all of that in mind, uh, I think it's going to – there's going to be some points on Saturday. Uh, I'm thinking, like, 28 – 21 UND. Matt goes 28-21 Hawks. We turn it to Kelly, who is coming into this week a winner. Kelly, who do you have in this one? I'm going to go a little less, less points than that. Um, I could see, I could see that. I was, I was in that range with my prediction. Um, it's going to be very good, very good football game. Very good Missouri Valley football game. Four four quarters for sure. I mean, th- these two teams are evenly evenly matched. I give the nod to UND because they're at home, because they seem to win these games when they have to to get in the playoffs. They've been in this situation many times, as we've pointed out. They they like to be six and four heading into the last week or whatever, or seven and three and got to get the win. Whatever you name it, they got to get the win. And um, I I think UND. UND pulls this one out. You know, last week I didn't like the setup, and it turned out actually a little different. I mean, they should have won the game. I, I thought it was going to be a different style of game. It, no, UND played them even. Stats didn't show even, but UND made plays to keep things even, put it that way. You know, and, um, yeah, this week I'm going UND, but I'm going to go a little bit less. I'm going to go about a 24-18. I'm an odd, you know, 24-18 tight game. I don't know if – I don't know how we pull this thing out. I think we're just leading. I think we hold on. We hold on at the end. Illinois State might have the ball at the end. 
with a chance. We get a we get a fourth down stop, walk off the field with hands in the air, and look forward to a Thanksgiving playoff game. Last time Illinois State came into the Alaris Center, that same scenario played out, and it was two Jackson Turner sacks that oh, that's finished right. the game. That was an exciting finish. So Kelly Howe goes 24-18 Hawks. Um, I never pick uh, a winner or a score, but I tell you what to watch for in the game. I'm going to say the Hawks block a punt in this one because they were mm. close at South Dakota last week. Yep. Um, also watch for this. Red Wilson throws a touchdown pass. Red Wilson throws a touchdown pass <laughs> in this game. Hey, okay. crazier, crazier right. things have happened. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's always fun working with the two of you. We're going to get to your final thoughts here in a little bit. But I always I want to point out that when we get to playoff time, we never know if we're going to have another week. We're week by week on all of this. It's always good um, doing these podcasts with you. And I am hoping that neither Texas A&M or Boise State picks either one of you off as their next head coach. Uh, because you had those would be big shoes to fill here on UND Football 360. Right, <laughs> that's the silly season is starting. The silly with the season firing. is starting. I, I Boise, I'm not surprised by that one, but whew, Texas A&M stroke that check. Right. You know? <laughs> Seventy-five million dollars doesn't change the decision. It's incredible. I mean, There's a lot of money in college football. Um, yeah. The question I have with the Boise State firing is why during the season? I never understand why they do that mid-season. They want, I know they want to get a jump, but yeah, I, I just think that's what it was. Recruiting deal to get a new yeah. guy in before the end of the season to talk to all your recruits before the December, December signing, day. signing day. I yeah. think that's what it is. They got to get a little bit bigger jump. Forward. Well, because they might you know make some poor bowl game and then that delays it to I mean is he going to be coaching in a bad bowl game on December 21st yeah. you know I mean and if he knows he's on his way out like okay right it, yep. does he mail it in yeah, it, it 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 I understand it and they there were issues out there they had there were issues in the coaching staff and stuff so not a huge surprise that he got let go but that's an attractive job though it, it is yep, that is so. an attractive job it, it, there's going to be some dominoes uh falling on that one uh, Kelly Howe, we're going to give you final thoughts first. Get the win. Bid big again. Bill Chaves. And uh, I think if UND just sends in their bid this year competitively, again, 127000 or probably be, could you, maybe even add a little more, make it 130000 this year and put the word out this year. Bill, I'm sure he will spread the word to his buddies. On the <laughs> There's a big number inside that envelope, guys. All right, let's just do it right this year. Let's get it done right. So Do what's fair. At the, yeah, at well, I think, I think what will happen is um, UND will win, can win this weekend and then get a home game. And awesome. I think some of that will have to do with last year's debacle. I think they'll get a home game somehow. But Not that we want, uh, you know. Uh, a gimme, you know, because of what happened last year. But I think it's fair. Well, they should have got one last year. Right. It's I just – okay, are you getting me going again? I, uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm stoking the yeah, fire. I, know. I, I started to get fired up there again. I'm like, I, I was going to go off on a 10-minute rant again, but I'm not going to do that. But, yeah, this year – well, we'll put in the same bid, and this year it will be respected. Let's leave it at that. There you so, go. Yep. There you go. Matt Nelson, your final thoughts on this upcoming weekend? Let's – like Kelly said, Leon, let's get the win. Let's get some momentum going into our our first playoff game. We talked about it. We win, we're in. 
let's get the win. Let's get some momentum. Our guys respond to momentum at home even better. Uh, go Hawks. Well, here are my final thoughts. Hawks have to make the playoffs because then next week you will hear Kelly Howe's Coach Mora playoff imitation. We're going to hold it off. We aren't going to let him do it this week, but he will do it um, next week. Guys, thanks. What an effort again. Always, you guys always bring it. Uh, it is fantastic. We're going to remind the fans of who makes this possible. Rumor Sports Bar, Grill and Casino, Development Homes Incorporated, Thunder Lake Lodge of Reamer, Minnesota, the Kelly Owl Agency of Nodak Mutual Insurance, Interstate Industrial, and the Toasted Frog of Grand Forks and Fargo. UND Football 360 is recorded at the Three Run Single Media Studios in Rocking Horse Farm, Fargo. For more Fighting Hawks football coverage, visit UNDFootball360.com. 1 p.m. kickoff. UND versus Illinois State with everything on the line. Get to the Alara Center. Folks, get your green on this weekend. Go Hawks. <laughs>